welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Thursday, May the 26th. And my friends, wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's joy. I wish you God's hope today. Uh, Today, uh, as you know, so now when I was growing up, and I suspect for many of you as well, we would be celebrating today the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord. Now, in some dioceses, they still do that, but the vast majority of the dioceses uh, within certainly the United States, uh, I can't speak for outside of that, but the vast majority have moved that feast uh, to a Sunday. Now, that was back some uh, 20-plus years ago that that was was done. And so uh, what this day marks is the 40th day since we celebrated the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. And as you know, 40 is a very key number uh, within the church, within Judaism. 40 meant enough. And, uh, and so when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, he was in there enough time, long enough to learn the lesson that the desert had for him. When Noah was on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights that it rained, that it rained enough uh, to flood the world. When uh, the Jewish or Hebrew people wandered in the desert of sin for 40 years, they were in that desert uh, for enough time, uh, long enough uh, to learn that lessons and, uh, and to be made new before they could enter into the uh, promised land, right? So, as you know, that 40 is also important within our seasons. The season of Lent is 40 days. We, we do that based on Jesus' time in the desert. But again, with that idea that we, we practice those, uh, those areas of penitence uh, and, uh, and those ideas of how to, to live anew enough long enough to learn their lessons and carry them as new habits within us. So by the time we get to Easter, uh, we are made new ourselves uh, and rise uh, a new creation along with Jesus uh, on that uh, Easter Sunday morning. So the fact that we are here, now Jesus then would have been around again, according to Luke in Acts of the Apostles only. If we read Luke's gospel, Jesus ascends on Easter Sunday night. But in Acts of the Apostles, also penned by Luke, uh, Jesus is around long enough for the disciples to make sure they uh, firmly have the message and they are uh, certain of what resurrection looks like and feels like within their lives, within their understanding, within their worlds. And, uh, And then Jesus ascends on this 40th day. I think it was moved simply because more people would be able to celebrate this holy day, because it is a holy day uh, on a weekend. So we're not going to read this, uh, the uh, readings for Ascension today. Uh, That's a long way to get around to it, but it's good church teaching and understanding as well. So why then, my friends, doesn't the Easter season end at 40 days? I've only got supposition for that. I I cannot say uh, for certain, but my thought is merely that Easter goes in above, above and beyond enough. Uh, Easter, of course, Pentecost, Pentecost meaning, you know, 50, um, that uh, Penta, of course, being five. But 
that whole idea is that Easter surpasses, that our God is a God of abundance. Our God is a God of, of extravagance, right? And so if 40 is enough for penitence to prepare, well, we've, we've got more to celebrate. And so this season of Easter needs to go above and beyond that into a moment in a season of extravagance. And that's where we are. So we continue, my friends. We have 10 more days. Now, we have all our lives. And certainly, I uh, hope we do that within the ordinary days and, and um, you know, ins and outs and comings and goings of our lives that we celebrate this Easter joy. But in terms of liturgically, we've got 10 more days to celebrate it, okay? Uh, so that said, <laughs> with a good five-minute preamble, uh, we are going to read uh, more in Luke's, or excuse me, John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 16 to 20, okay? So if you'd like to follow along, I am going to read once again out of Eugene Peterson's translation. So let's read that. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, In a day or so, you're not going to see me. But then another, in another day or so, you will see me. That stirred up a hornet's nest of questions among his disciples. What's he talking about? In a day or so, you're not going to see me. But then in another day or so, you will see me. And because I'm on my way to the Father, who is this, or what is this day or so? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they were dying to ask him what he meant. So he said, Are you trying to figure out among yourselves what I meant when I said, In a day or so you're not going to see me, but then in another day or so you will see me? Then fix this firmly in your minds. You're going to be deep in mourning while the godless world throws a party. You'll be sad, very sad, but your sadness will develop into gladness. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we can hear this scripture reading, and I think it's real easy for us, right? To look back on that and say, well, it makes perfect sense, right? He's telling them that he's going to go away, that he's going to be killed, and that resurrection is going to happen on the other side of that. And we have the, the benefit of reading into history. The disciples at the time don't have that benefit. They are wondering what on earth he's he's meaning with this. And so John is getting into the minds of the disciples at the time and and their confusion. And Jesus really doesn't answer it well. All he says is, hey, you're going to be deep in mourning while the godless world throws a party. Or as the New American Translation says, Uh, states it here. Oh, there we go. Um, You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will become joy. All Jesus is saying, he's not answering and saying, hey, don't worry, I'm going to be crucified tomorrow, but but come Sunday, you know, everything's going to be all right. Um, Boy, sometimes I wish it would be easier if Jesus just kind of spelled it out like that. But my friends, that's, that's not how it works, is it? He invites us on those places of faith. And he simply gives us those breadcrumbs and says, 
hey, you're going to be grieving. You're going to feel like everyone is against you. The world, the godless world, whatever that means, those around us who are our enemies may be rejoicing in what they think to be our demise. Or whether they're rejoicing or not, we may feel like we're out there on our own and that others are, are castigating and, and throwing us under the bus, even if they're not, and they're not even thinking about us. But we feel alone in a crowd, and we feel embarrassed or ashamed or outcast or a pariah because of that. And Jesus says, but that's not the end. Your mourning will turn into dancing. Your grief will turn into joy. Your sadness will develop into gladness. Why? Because what feels like loss, what feels like emptiness, what feels like isolation, and that period of being alone, that's not the end. I will come back to you. So I want to take this back to the beginning of what he says. In a day or so, you're not going to see me. But then in another day or so, you will see me. My friends, have you had moments like that in your life? Where, let's not even say a day or so. Let's just use seasons. Have there been seasons in your life where you have felt the presence of God very closely? And then... Have there been seasons in your life where you felt God has been very distant? I think, my friends, that is a very human thing to go through those seasons. And I think when we go through those seasons, when we're on the high and when we are feeling God's close proximity, I think we feel like somehow uh, not only is that great gift from God, and I think down deep we know that, But I also think the human part of us says, I'm doing it right. Whether it's my prayer life, whether it's it's you know my my attitudes, whether it's how I'm I'm doing my my daily devotionals or 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 setting aside time or or I must be really growing in maturity and, and therefore God and I are walking closely. And somehow I'm a part of that and I'm doing it right too. Here's my point. When we're not in those seasons of emptiness in those seasons where that, that field lies fallow and it's dry and, and we're not getting much. Now, again, I'm, I'm speaking from myself, but I think I'm, I'm not probably wrong in saying that's probably true of many of us. Then all of a sudden, gosh, those voices of shame and guilt and doubt come in and say, Joe, you're not spending enough time in, in quiet prayer. You're, you're doing this wrong. You're, 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 you're really not spending time enough in the Word of God, or you're not just taking the, the time for silence or to notice God in nature or whatever it is. Now, some of that may indeed be true. But sometimes, my friends, God is indeed close to us. And sometimes God is not. Our, our friend, um, St. John of the Cross, right? Called that the dark night of the soul. St. Teresa of Avila. I mean, those are two incredible mystics, doctors of the church who experienced this. Just recently, if you remember the uh, book that came out by Mother Teresa posthumously, so obviously she didn't write it, but letters that she had written to a friend uh, that came out afterward that talked about that great absence. 
Brothers and sisters, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. That doesn't mean that, that we're doing something wrong. It simply means that there are moments in our life when God is very near and we see him well. And there are moments that we're in our life when we don't. And I, I, I don't even pretend to get into the mind and heart of God as to understand that. I'm simply naming a reality because all of that is true. And I was reading in my uh, meditation, I mentioned Joan Chittister every now and then, that right now I'm reading some of her, uh, her morning meditations. And this was in yesterday's, and I loved it. And I'm, I'm so grateful that it's come up so quickly here within this time of, of our pods. And she wrote this, and I like it. The God of light is also the God of darkness. Why would we not expect God, then, to be in the dark spots of our lives as well as in its light? I'm going to read that again. The God of light is also the God of darkness. Why would we not expect God, then, to be in the dark spots of our lives as well as in its light? Right? God was present before all of creation. When God said on the first day, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good, did that mean God was not even present in all of creation up until and including that point? Of course not. God was still present. God was still present. Do we, do we believe, brothers and sisters, that when we are going through something and we feel God's absence... We do not feel his presence. That's kind of a negative way of saying it, but we feel his absence. Um, do we think God indeed is dead? You know, Time Magazine came out with that, what, 50-odd, 60-odd years ago. Is God dead on the, on the front of their, their magazine? You know, we have a gunman going into a, a, a store in Buffalo 11 days ago, 12 days ago, and, and killing 10 of our African-American brothers and sisters. Is God dead? And we have a gunman going into a school two days ago in Texas and, and shooting and killing 19 young children and, and two adults. Is God dead? Brothers and sisters, I would argue that certainly within those gunmen, God was, um, for whatever reason, they were not able to see or experience or feel or know the presence. But that's not God's issue. God didn't just say, I'm going to, you know, uh, take myself away from this person and let's see what happens. That doesn't make a lick of sense. Somehow I think they extricated themselves from God. I think we have to be very, very careful, brothers and sisters, uh, to... to what am I trying to say? I think we have to be very careful, brothers and sisters, to not be controlled by our feelings only. Now, so here's the deal. I, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Myers-Briggs. Let me just speak again for myself. I'm an intuitive feeler, which means uh, in, in the middle two, uh, if you've never taken the Myers-Briggs, it's a wonderful personality type indicator. But the, the middle uh, two... Um, kind of dichotomies, if I'll say, is one, you're on a, a sensing line that you like to touch and, and feel. It's so it's sensory. And two is intuitive. It's a gut. 
So, okay, either in our personalities, we, we uh, fall in the sensory part or the intuitive part. And then the next one is we fall in as more of a thinker. Doesn't mean we're not a thinker if we fall in the feeler, but I'm a feeler. So I'm an intuitive feeler. I trust my gut. I trust my, my feelings, my experience. And I go off of those. It doesn't mean I don't think. It doesn't mean I don't sense. But that's not my baseline of what I trust. But that doesn't mean, brothers and sisters, that if I don't feel God and I don't uh, intuit his presence here in my life, that God is absent. It merely means that I cannot rely and be controlled by those, that I have to search for God beyond those. Whether that's using my thoughts or my senses or simply being open to the trust that God is present. One day you see me, but you will not always see me, and the next I'll be there. Your morning will turn into dancing. That, that brothers and sisters, we cannot be controlled by uh, even our thoughts, because our thoughts can, can, can be distant from God as well, and God can only be in my head and not in my heart. We must experience God in our heart, but we cannot be controlled by the feelings only. But I think all of this combined, we open ourselves to that God who indeed is present, but only sometimes gifts us with that understanding, with that knowledge, with that, when I, and I say knowledge, I mean full knowledge, not just head knowledge, with the experience of that, that presence. And we cannot become, um, you know, people that are addicted to that. Because if we are addicted to that, when God's, we are in that season of absence, in that season where we lie fallow, then we feel like we're doing something wrong. When God is just as present in that darkness as he is in that, in that light. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or as the New American translation says, though I walk through the dark valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, with your rod and staff that give me hope, that give me courage, that give me comfort. Though I walk through the dark valley, when I cannot see you or experience you or feel you, when I can't intuit that or feel it, and I'm not going to be controlled by that, I know you are with me. Why? Because your word says it. Though I walk through the dark valley, I fear no evil. Brothers and sisters, I know this. I know that the only way to keep that communication line open is prayer. Um, and that doesn't, again, we don't control God. That doesn't mean we will feel God's presence. What it means is we will trust God, even in those moments of absence. And don't confuse prayer with prayers. Okay, now I'm going to say that again. Don't confuse prayer with prayers. We are to be men and women of prayer. We are to be people, children of prayer families of prayer, right? Um, which is an openness, an awareness to that presence of God always. Paul says pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean we do Hail Marys all the time or that we're always thinking things to God. Those are prayers. Prayer is that openness to the presence of God which says, I wish to live in your, in your presence, in your awareness, in that openness to your presence and to your, your um, being in my life and to, to live and move and have my being within and among you, Lord. 
And that is an attitude. It is, it is an ascent of the heart every day and every moment. But that is different than prayers. And when we are able to do that, we can live in that trust that regardless of what we feel and experience, perhaps we're in that dark valley. We know that's not where it ends because our sadness will turn to great joy. Absence isn't where it ends, but it is a season, and that's okay. It was true for the disciples. It is true also for us. Let's pray. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth joyful mystery, the presentation at the temple. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Philip Neri, pray for us. My friends, bless you on this Thursday. May God's peace and life, and yes, God's presence be with you. Be well, and God's peace.